and the world of watching. <laughs> Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Feinstone. We are contributors to the Fight Game Media Network. We are getting this week started. We didn't have any shows to watch this past week. It was a very odd feeling. I uh, I didn't realize that until like Sunday. Uh, it was just one of those like I figured there's just always a show, you know. You just there's always something, and I just like, oh, there's nothing. I'm gonna watch some Quantum Leap. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a tremendous uh, week there uh, of uh, leading up to this with the, the shows, you know, the semifinals and the finals and everything else. Now we have a chance to sit back and digest it a little bit. There are still some big events coming that we're going to be taking a look at. We're going to look at some changes for the multiverse card. We're going to talk about AEW Dynamite uh, briefly, which is uh, has a New Japan flavor to it. And uh, we mentioned uh, the road to Sakura Genesis is coming as well. So we have some other events as we head toward that big one there, Sakura Genesis at Ryugoku Kukujikan in early April. Uh, just as a reminder, by the way, we're going to have this up as an audio podcast a little bit later tonight. Uh, we're, we are officially now, <laughs> finally, after weeks <laughs> of uh, haranguing with uh, the Apple Podcast folks, we are on there. We are on Apple Podcasts. You can find the show there. I put a tweet uh, out with the feed catcher. <laughs> exactly. And uh, make sure you uh, you know rate us, review us, give us five-star review. It really, it, it, You hear that all the time, but it really does help people find the show so that does help a lot but uh, anyway that is up that'll be up later tonight so there's all kinds of ways you can uh, get this uh, show here and we're happy to be here I, I am wearing my Chicago Cubs jersey it's almost baseball season I went crazy about uh, the beginning of uh, soccer season here uh, we call it soccer in the U.S. Colin I'm sorry to offend but uh, and, and the British are the ones that invented the term soccer by the way uh, but uh, the uh, we are uh, getting close to opening day of baseball season, one of my favorite days of the year. So I got a uh, my, my, my Chicago Cubs, well on the way to uh, mediocrity, as you can almost uh, hear them already. I almost drafted a guy named Wes Nesky on the very end of my bench for my fantasy league. Okay, Did not right. make the cut, but I almost yeah. got there. However, I do have a very serious question for you. Okay. Have you bought your bag of kettle chips yet? <laughs> Not yet. That is coming up. It is on the list of things I'm going to be picking right. up from the grocery store tomorrow. So, so uh, yeah, the long-running is... gag, guys, is that Conway buys kettle chips on two days out of the year. Two days he buys year. it on Wrestle Kingdom, a.k.a. his birthday, and on the opening day of baseball. So That's I had good. that one queued up because... I remember stupid shit like that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, yeah, those are the two days there. So I, I get it all out of the way now in March, and then I don't get to touch them again until January. So Oof. there you go. That but, is called uh, yeah. resolution, my friend. <laughs> the uh, events coming up. So uh, we've been talking for a while that Jeff Cobb, part of the United Empire, has spoken of challenging Kenny Omega for that U.S. title, the New Japan U.S. title, the one that Kenny won from uh, Will Ospreay at, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. There it is. It is happening, and it's happening soon. It's happening this week. Here is, uh, you know, I know that AEW doesn't acknowledge WrestleMania season so much, but it does seem like a lot of companies are putting together special things for this entire week. And uh, again, I'm not saying that AEW is trying to counter-program WrestleMania. It doesn't quite work that way. But it's it's a big week for professional wrestling here in North America and around the world. And uh, we're getting this match. And it's going to be right there uh, tomorrow on Dynamite. Kenny Omega, Jeff Cobb for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Now, got to be for the main event, right? 
I would hope so. Uh, Kenny is a big deal anyway, and I think that he's going to make Cobb look really good. I'm excited about this match. At, at first, I kind of thought they were going to save it for a pay-per-view. With AEW, I expressed some reservations to you, Jeremy, and I'm going to revise them a little bit because I've been thinking about it since. I expressed some reservations about this being a TV match. I forget that AEW is far more willing than WWE to do a 20-minute honest-to-goodness match with a beginning, middle, and an end, not talking about getting thrown out of the ring so they can take a commercial break type, the way WWE does their TV matches, where there's interview segments in the middle of them, and, and there's backstage crap, and there's, you know, like I said, the commercial breaks, which anyone can see coming. When I watch a WWE pay-per-view now, and someone gets thrown out of the ring, I wait for the commercial to come on, because mm. that's how they always do it. AEW is better at that than that than they are, and I have a feeling that this could end up being uh, a, a full-on 15, 20-minute excellent match. I expect Kenny Omega to retain the title. I don't see the point in doing a switch here, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this matchup because, you know, Kenny is among the very best in the world. Cobb is tremendous, and it's an interesting clash of styles. You know, a lot of people have been beating the drum for a while now that they want to see single Kenny Omega, New Japan single Kenny Omega, doing Kenny Omega things. And mm -hmm. this is an opportunity for the critics to get what they want out of it. And, you know, fair, like, fair play to Tony Khan, to New Japan, putting this match on a platform that, frankly speaking, is probably going to have more viewership than it would ever get on New Japan World, as much as people want to say they want to watch his match, you know, the numbers would suggest that, you know, the viewership of this would be much higher. And given how everything has been going with uh, a lot of these matches, I don't think that this match will be too long before it's on World, even though there are streaming issues with the match in and of itself. The fact that it is a New Japan talent on there and a New Japan title may allow it to be on world quicker rather than uh, a delayed amount of time. I, I've been seeing a lot of Tony Khan produced matches with New Japan talent making their way onto New Japan world very, very quickly. So that's mainly my big question out of this is how does the broadcasting and streaming rights uh, predicate this match, making it onto world for those who want to see the match, but don't immediately have dynamite or, you know, don't have fight wherever they are. Storyline wise, do yeah. you believe this is more of a setup for Jeff Cobb's United Empire stablemate Will Ospreay to once again challenge for this title? Is this a setup for that? Uh, and if so, do you think we'll get any hints of that perhaps leading to the next Forbidden Door show? Is that where this is going? Because I, I mean, I think you and I both agree that Kenny's going to win this, right? Yeah, I think this is all a setup for the stepping stone going into Dominion. I, I can't imagine this was always the plan for it to take this long for this match to happen. But circumstances abate. We're here where they were everywhere. Now we have Will Ospreay injured for four to six weeks. His Forbidden Door status is not up in the air at this point. It looks like he is going to be able to recover in time for that this always felt like a strong contender for a first defense but Kenny Omega losing the title the first match after uh that only happened one time with the IWGP heavyweight title with him immediately after but that had to do with contract disputes and he wasn't this is nothing to do with anything like that Kenny Omega should have a stellar match 
with my guy, Jeff Cobb. But at the end of the day, I see his storyline continuing and intersecting with Will Ospreay in some way, shape, or form. And I'm not entirely sure that Will Ospreay beats him the next time either. Yeah, it's it's it, that could go either way, and there are a lot of reasons for, for the arguments being made in both directions. I think what's helped, actually, this has been an odd thing. It's never good to get injured, but it kept uh, Osprey from losing in the New Japan Cup. I don't think he was going to win it because, again, I think it's too early for them to go with Osprey versus Okada. I don't think that was the idea for Sakura Genesis was Osprey and Okada. I think Osprey has a longer story to tell about getting back to the top of the IWGP. With that in mind, that meant that if he hadn't gotten injured, he would have had to lose one of those matches, maybe to Sonata. Even, even With, that, being injured plays into the year-long storyline of getting back to the top. But it also means they didn't have to beat him. Mm-hmm. He, you know, Mark Davis went in and took his spot and helped his own career out. This is one of those things that could work out well for everyone. Mm-hmm. Will didn't have to have surgery, so he gets the rest. Hopefully he rests it up and heals completely. That's what we're rooting for, of course. The shoulder. Mark Davis had a kind of a career week there where he got to do these matches and he really succeeded and stepped up in a place where they needed someone to step up. So it worked out for him, worked out for Sonata. He went over fine. And I don't think anybody thinks anything less of that because he got the big win over Finlay and we don't have to see Will Ospreay get pinned. His losses as he rises to the top should be very, very few and very, very far between. I, off the top of my head, he's my so far early pick to win G1 this year. Yes. So with that in mind, that shoulder injury may have worked out. And if, if this is a setup to get Will back to Omega, G1, back to perhaps Okada and the Tokyo Dome or what, I mean, we're jumping way far ahead. Sure. But if this is a story about Will rising to the top, all of this might end up working in the favor of that, that we didn't have to see him lose. And, Jeff Cobb here having a great match with Kenny Omega coming up a little bit short. Does that mean that the next guy from the United Empire, the big boss, so to speak, the final boss of the United Empire is the next one for Kenny? Uh, I I used video game reference, I think, correctly there, Jeremy. Final boss was good. I like the clean contingency plan lines that they have executed out of here. You know, like Aussie Open needed something to elevate themselves even more so because I kind of feel like if they had just gone according to plan with the Aussie Open uh, push coming out of New Japan Cup, they wouldn't be nearly as hot as they are going into that match. Mark Davis did an excellent job elevating himself in that respect. So it it was a disaster on the outset. But what came about of it was professionally thought out contingency plans that all worked out in such a way that it May not have made everything better, but it certainly didn't make anything worse. So, yeah, we will see that, how that goes tomorrow night, and then see where it leads after that. But uh, AEW Dynamite there with Jeff Cobb and Kenny Omega. So a little New Japan on uh, TBS. So, so like yeah. last week, we talked about Multiverse United, and we thought we had a card. <laughs> so did they. <laughs> so did Impact. Wow. <laughs> so some changes. Uh, we mentioned Will. Will was supposed to be on the show against Speedball Mike Bailey in a match that everyone was uh, fired up about. But there's been some other, there have been some changes. Of course, Will can't be there. And now, as it turns out, uh, uh, the the champion, Josh Alexander, can't Two be champions. there. Well, two champions. Yeah, you're right. 
and it's a uh, huh, it, definitely disappointing that we're not going to be able to see that Kushida. Poor Kushida. Not even on the card anymore, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. They. I mean, they're, what could they do? I mean, it, it is a tough one, you know. But for Kushida, I mean, here he was supposed to get that run with uh, Taiji Ishimori over the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title. That seems to have completely passed by. I'd imagine they'll eventually get back to him and that title somewhere down the road. But that's he missed that bus completely because he had the hand, foot, and mouth disease, uh, that that odd infection that he had. And he's recovered now, and he's about ready to challenge for the Impact title. And then the champion gets hurt. I guess a torn tricep, right? And so from a match in Mexico. Well, you know that's it's it, it shows you that it can happen anytime, anywhere. And numerous times we have seen people get hurt doing something completely innocuous. I remember uh, what was it, Pac, when he was still. Neville, I believe, broke his leg just doing a baseball slide type move that he did in every single match. And there are ways you can just you just get hurt. It just happens. And so he tore his tricep there in Mexico, and now Impact might, perhaps, have to find a new champion. Uh, and uh, the whole thing is a bit of a mess. And it took poor Kushida, who missed out on that Ishimori thing, who then didn't go to Wrestle Kingdom, then gets into this program, doesn't get to have his featured match at Multiverse at the Globe Theater, and uh, the man snake bit. It, it, this has just been a year of being absolute snake bit for Kushida. So he's got a title match still, uh, yeah. Sacrifice, I believe, against uh, Macklin. Uh, and so he and him are going to fight for the uh, vacant Impact World Heavyweight Championship. And... Mm -hmm. He will not be on the card that we will quickly go over today. <laughs> so let's look at this. Now we have, uh, here's some New Japan flavoring right here. We have Gabriel Kidd against Yuya Uemura. And uh, I'm really hoping that when Uemura returns to New Japan, that they give him a new name because I trip over it almost every time I have to try to say Yuya Uemura. Uh, you know, our cousin, our, cousin call, our cousin show calls him Yummy Uemura. Oh, there because you go. he's delicious. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a talented guy. So, uh, you know, this this one will be a good one. That's the pre-show match there a little bit. This is all part of WrestleCon as uh, Impact and New Japan have the countdown to Multiverse United, which is a they're, mouthful of a show name. They're taking it slow with Gabriel Kidd. They are taking it slow with him. He's only had a match every couple months, just, you know, eating him back in. And honestly, it's probably the right call. Yeah. Again, we talk about a guy that's uh, had – been open about struggling with mental health issues in the past and things. So it's uh he's, but he is back and uh, it, they are, like you said, taking baby steps, probably the smart move with him there. Cause uh, when he is in the ring and when he's wrestling, he wrestles at a very high level. So mm -hmm. we're, we're all hoping that he can uh, stay the course and because uh, he has a, he has a bright future. So does Wayne Mora. So that's going to lead off that show. It's going to be a nice little opener for the folks there at the globe. And of course they're used to stuff like this. This is the home of PWG. I I love Yuya Urimura in, in all honesty. That that class of young lions on excursion mm. right now, uh, they were they they were and are something pretty special. And so they're going to define generation. He's part of them. So uh, he's doing a lot of good work in Impact, and uh, I'm glad that he is the Impact representative, getting a brief interaction with his home territory. There you go. So what else is going on in this one here, Jeremy? Let's see. What we else went over we here. Nothing changed on this one. No. Any that any, any opinion? 
No, I mean, it, <laughs> no, not, nothing that we didn't talk about last week on this one. It's just going to be uh, a pretty uh, nice little car crash of a match there with uh, with all of these guys involved. And, uh, you know, what can you say? It's it's a showcase match. It gets eight guys on a card, and I think all of them are going to want to shine a little bit. And let's just hope PCO doesn't kill himself because he's been trying to for 20 years. To be honest, if he were going to, it probably would have by now. I, I think there's steel inside of his head as well as on top of his head. This could be a great one. We will, uh, I'd love to see Aussie open, but I tend to believe that Bullet Club will retain in a banger. Yeah, I mean, that's probably it. Uh, it's uh, Aussie open has a lot of things going on, a lot of irons in the fire. We're going to mm-hmm. be talking about them later on in this show regarding Genesis. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like uh, putting those titles on it makes a whole lot of sense. And Motor City Machine Guns already has the strong tag team titles, so it does uh, feel even more like a retention there for Chris Bay and Ace Austin. Back to Here. this. Yeah. You got the Mark Romero has no hair. No, he does not. Him. No, that match with uh, Volador did not go his way. So the X Division scramble for the X Division title. I'm going to read this off here for the people on podcast. Trey Miguel, Frankie Kazarian, Rich Swan, Kevin Knight, Clark Connors, and the aforementioned Rocky Romero. And uh, should be an air show. Should be exciting. It's going to be high-paced. And uh, that should be a pretty exciting one, but no changes in the lineup since we last talked. If you had to say which one was going to be better between the last two matches, the four tag teams or this X division scramble, what would you put your money on? I think the tag match. I think the tag match, but it's not by much. It's it's not by much and not a knock on this scramble at all, but those four teams are, really strong that i mean there's there's three teams in there that are regular I mean, bad dude tito and mm-hmm. shane haste aren't you know the usual uh combination there but both of them are very capable wrestlers the other three teams are three of the better teams in the business so uh i think they can do something pretty special this one should be a lot of fun too sometimes these x division scramble matches tend to be a little more chaotic than storytelling maybe mm-hmm. the maybe the tag teams will uh, have a bit of a story to it more than uh, taking turns doing big spots, which will be entertaining. I'm not knocking sure. that. It, 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 wrestling's a variety show. There's supposed to be different things on a card. The tag team match I'm leaning towards, but this one might steal it. So I'm looking at both of these matches, and every year when we have this like wrestling convention weekend, there's something on like Thursday or Friday that people are talking about. This is a potential match of the year candidate. And by the end of the weekend, it is completely forgotten. And I feel <laughs> like we have like a formula for one of these matches on this show. I just don't know which one it is. There you go. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you're probably right. Oh, Here, man. I just put it in my veins. <laughs> the strong open weight title. So we have a straight up New Japan match on this one. We have the New Japan Strong Open Weight Championship match, Kenta, the newly crowned champion against Minoru Suzuki. And that is going to be a match that's going to be hard-hitting. It'll have intensity. It'll be exciting. I think Kenta's probably going to win it. They don't usually switch that in the very first defense. And Minoru Suzuki has business back in Japan. So for Kenta to uh, lose this thing to Minoru doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I think both of these guys could end up uh, in the mix for the 
never open weight six man titles back in Japan. Of course, Suzuki already holds mm-hmm. uh, the title uh, with Ren Narita and El Desperado. And I think they might have plans for Kenta, Fantasmo, and Chase Owens down the line uh, as far as being challengers. So, a lot could come of this in the future, more future battle these two. I'm going to predict Kenta holds on to this title and uh, probably has to uh, get into the cold pool or a bucket of ice afterwards because I think they're probably going to uh, put some bruises on one another in this one. I kind of, I'm kind of getting the vibe that Kenta's going to be a lot more stateside than some of the other New Japan talent. He has got that strong title, and that's typically a stateside defended title, mm-hmm. and it's going to be in Philadelphia. It's going to be in D.C., uh, I'd imagine he's already got matches lined up. So is this a guy that's just going to be going everywhere back and forth between Japan and, and the United States more so than anybody else? Because if you're right, if he's doing the the trios, the never open weight six-man title, the trios matches with um, strong style, then, man, he's going to have a lot on his plate. And Kenta in the past has always been like, is your body going to hold up? And Man, I just hope it holds up. <laughs> well, you're right, and and it doesn't have to be right away. I mean, right now, Suzuki, Desperado, and uh, Narita have their rivals with the House of Torture for those titles, so uh, they are probably they're going to defend them against somebody else. And then there's mm-hmm. you know there's a little bit of build up time, so uh, it is not as the uh, movie I watched the other weekend. Every uh, everything everywhere all at once, uh, but it is. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but uh, the. Uh, you know, it's something that I think they might be setting up for in the future with these guys. But uh, either way, this should just be a terrific match on the Molos card. Ah, change. <laughs> we do have a change here. This is the uh, women's match, and it is now Masha Slamovich, Diana Parazzo, Giselle Shaw, and Miyu Yamashita. And uh, now let me get this straight, Jeremy, and help me out with this one. Uh, this is to establish someone who is going to be challenging down the road for the impact title. How is this going to work? I think it's just a match. Is it just, I thought though the winner of this one was going to go on to get a crack at the, or get are, into are they a, facing somebody at uh sacrifice for, that's the what I thought I it was. Think, I thought it was leading something. I don't something think to Vicky sacrifice. has vacated, vacated the title. No, I don't think she has either, but I think that the, the winner of this one gets in the match either as it gets into the three-way in the in sacrifice, I think, was what I heard. I, I am not have to sure. double check that. Uh, I will know by the time I do the review show for Break for Impact, cheap plug, live review of Multiverse United. But I will say, this is a more interesting match to me. You I think so? Mickey James is going to win the match otherwise. Yeah. Now, yeah. it's up in the air. It is a completely interesting dynamic in which one of the four and arguably the three best women in Impact and Miu. I mean, I mean, she she probably better than all of them, but that's that's low key obvious. Uh, it's just going to be uh, this is one of those matches again that people are like this may have over delivered. I do think it is a better match than it was originally booked, and I'm here for it. All right. After that, we have Jeff Cobb and Moose. So I had a prediction about this one. You got a prediction about this one? I had a prediction, and I don't think it's going to happen now. Last week, I got on my soapbox, and I told everyone, you know, there's a challenge to Kenny Omega out there, and Jeff Cobb said he's going to go to St. Louis and challenge him. (laughs) What if he challenges him, and then Kenny Omega shows up the next night and impacts to mess with Jeff Cobb? 
don't think that's going to happen because I think the match will be over and Jeff Cobb will be coming off a stinging, bruising loss. And, well, the question is, is he going 0 for 2 two nights in a row? Yeah, who knows? And, and of course, with Moose and Jeff Cobb, it's going to be just the uh, probably a better worked version of the Omos Brock Lesnar match that we're going to be seeing at WrestleMania, where it's just <laughs> two incredibly strong guys throwing each other around. Uh, you know, good luck, Brock. Bless your heart. I my my heart goes out to you for being stuck with this one. Uh, good luck to you in trying to make that match work. For Moose and Jeff Cobb, they're in there with somebody who is also very good at this type of thing. So this match should, for what it is, again, we're talking about a variety show. This isn't going to look like anything else on the card. This is going to be two very, very strong men doing very, very strong things to one another. Uh, and a lot of power moves should be pretty fun to watch. And this was the first match that they advertised that said, okay, I might be here for this one. There you go. And we'll see how it turns out. Now, Will Ospreay, of course, had to withdraw. So he was replaced by Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Speedball Mike Bailey. Uh, and Mike uh, Gilbert last week on the show talked a little bit about what this meant for Bailey and how this is going to be a different type of match for him. Uh, nevertheless, it should be uh, an interesting one. Of course, Tanahashi, one of the smartest workers on the face of the earth, and he will figure out a way to make Mike Bailey look like a million dollars here and uh, still get himself over because uh, as when it comes to something like that and helping to elevate a guy, and not that Mike Bailey needs a lot of elevating and impact. I mean, I think people know what he's capable of. But uh, I think Tanahashi is going to make him look real good here. I also asked something last week. Mm. A little bit of momentum for this one. I asked, what if you got Tanahashi for more than one date in Impact? Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things that was kind of like, I don't think that happens. You know? And then the more that I thought about it this last week, why not? What exactly is going on with Tanahashi right now? that would preclude him from doing a couple of dates here, there, and be in the world title picture to give it some elevation and leverage in the absence of Josh Alexander, unable to uh, do the honor towards the next uh, potential title holder, as it were. Um, is it really that out of the question with the relationship between the two companies? I suppose it's not. And, and Tanahashi right now is, uh, like I said, in New Japan, doesn't really have a storyline kicking in. He's going to be teaming with Okada a little bit more. Uh, that's something that could go on. But you can certainly work around that. That's mm -hmm. not going to be a consistent thing. That's going to be something they do every once in a while. So if there's a, a thing where uh, they feel like they can use him or bring him in in a way that would help the show, help get somebody else over, He's like I said, he's one he would of the immediately best in the world. legitimize the world title. Like, yeah, just, sure. Just him fighting for it makes it feel more valuable. It's something for Tanahashi, right? Yes, yes, yes. All right. I think we nailed it on the uh, the multiverse. We shall put it in the book, I guess, right? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, that's the uh, the only other, yeah, no, we, we didn't mention all the shows. So, poor Kushida just uh, once again bumped off there at the last second. So, as we move forward from there, uh, we're going to go through WrestleMania weekend and all this WrestleCon stuff going on. When we come back, well, not as we come back, while all that's going on, the road to Sakura Genesis will begin for New Japan. They will hit the road once again with shows. There is one on the 1st, on April 1st. That's Friday, I believe, right? Yeah, Kanagawa. And that's all preview tags. There's really not anything to speak of on that show. 
It's when they get to Corican Hall on Sunday and Monday. Uh, and so I guess that would be Saturday. I'm kind of go, but uh, on Sunday and Monday there, Corican Hall. Some interesting things going on there. There are preview tags, but we are also going to get Bolton Oleg's official debut at this uh, show there on mm. the second. Oleg, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Shota Umino taking on the TMDK group of Kosei Fujita, Robbie Eagles, and Zack Sabre Jr. So obviously the way that is set up, one of the young lions there, either Fujita or Bolton Oleg, will be taking the loss in that one. They uh, are going to protect Robbie Eagles since he's going to be challenging Hiromu. They're going to protect Zack and Umino since they have a big match coming up at Genesis. Taguchi is still a little too high up on the ladder uh, to lose this one when there's young lions involved. So it's just a matter of who they want to put over in that sense or put under, I guess, in that one, who wants to do the job. But, uh, yeah, Bolton Oleg, we saw him in that exhibition at Wrestle Kingdom, looked pretty good. It was very brief, like three-minute exhibition match or something of that sort, but did not have the black uh, trunks, did not have the black boots, was uh, presented as a little, a little differently than the other young lions. So I'm curious to see what we see in this match and how much he can do he's had a couple more months of practice there in the dojo under his belt but athletically this guy apparently has it all jeremy i'm gonna say that Zach saber jr submits him in less than five minutes <laughs> really you think that's what they're going i on? do i do i think i think it's gonna be one of those Zach saber jr is gonna make an example of show to mean teammate in front of show but you know they're gonna give him some shine spots here gonna, oh absolutely gonna he's gonna throw around kosei fujiro like a ragdoll but Scott <laughs> Gabriel Jr. is going to finish him off at the end. That's, that's my prediction. All right. Fair enough. I'm just, I mean, I'm curious to see I'm excited. what he can I'm do. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm We're, excited. But they, uh, they typically lose the hell out of these guys before they get, uh, before they're starting to look good. Oh, sure. I mean, I don't think he's, well, one of these guys is going to win, but they're not going to be the one that gets the fall. You know, that's mm-hmm. either Fujita or Oleg will. One of them is going to lose the fall, and the other one won't be involved in it. So that's the thing. Uh, the King of Pro Wrestling Provisional Championship, Shingo Takagi and Aaron Hanare in what is apparently a Muay Thai taped fist knockout match. Uh, the only way to win by knocking out your opponent, last I heard on this one. So Bloodsport. Shingo versus Aaron Hanare, yeah, Bloodsport type of match. Uh, probably be really good. And this one, it could it could go either way. Uh, Shingo seems to be pretty heavily identified with this KOPW title. So I'm leaning 70% towards Shingo retaining. But I think he and Hanare, because Hanare has real Muay Thai training, will probably make this a fun match to watch, uh, an enjoyable one. I, I think it'll be pretty good. I think it'll be good, too. I'm more 85% that Shingo's going to win this match, in all honesty. Uh, mm. He just... Hanare is a guy that is good to shine in brief moments, but um, people aren't there yet to see matches for him. He's just not at that point. People are there to see Shingo matches, and Shingo defending a title is a lot more attractive to a lot of people, especially more attractive to me. There you go. So we're going to look at this also on the the third at Korokan Hall, uh, two nights in a row there in the, the building. Uh, Okada and Tanahashi will team up once again to face Sanada and Taichi. This is an intriguing matchup on that card. And, uh, you know, Okada and Tanahashi mentioned before that in post-match comments, they wanted to team more together, wanted to become a more cohesive unit. 
Yeah, their win-loss record as a team hasn't been that great over the over the years. They've used that team to uh, get other people over for the most part. Most recently, Bishamon, and that being uh, uh, that being Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. But uh, here they have a match against Sonata and Taichi. Now it's curious that somebody has to lose this one here, Jeremy. It's uh, I think know, I they, know who's losing this match. You think it's Tanahashi again? <laughs> I think, or do you think it's Tanahashi. It's you think, I think Tanahashi? Yeah. It's too. It feels with this new angle and this new uh, just five guys group for Sonata and Taichi. It feels a little early for either one of them to be dropping a fall, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It looks. It seems very very early. Um... I think Hanada threatening with his finisher on Okada's tag partner is the organic way to go in this, much like uh, Zack Sabre Jr. brutalizing Shota Umino's teammate in the previous match that we mentioned. It's just, you know, pro wrestling, building to the match and the outcome that we want to see or hope to see. And that's going to lead to a greater debate. Uh, you know, people talk like, is Hanada the guy to beat Okada? Um that's been discussion I've seen places. I don't believe he's the guy. I think this is a feud to have a feud. But I don't know. Could you see Sonata beating Okada? Normally, I would say that it would be about the time to do it because Okada has such a singles record against uh, Sonata. Okada has a uh, eight and one record. In singles matches against Sonata, the only loss, the only that one, the one that Sonata won was in the G1 when they teased a 30 minute draw. And I think they went over 29 minutes, but he pinned him in the closing seconds with the moonsault, if I remember right. It's been a little while. So normally you would think so. This isn't a normal year for Okada. I feel like with with all this stuff about you know, putting him up as the next Inoki and things, I don't see them having him lose this one. And I, I think the feeling is losing to Okada hurts absolutely no one. He is in a stratosphere that is very rarely approached in the the mind of New Japan. It, anyone can wrestle him and lose to him, and you don't think less of them for doing so because it's Kazuchika friggin' Okada. With that in mind, I do think Sonata is going to have a hell of a match. It'll probably go close to, if not over, a half an hour. And in the end, he will succumb to a rainmaker. But I think that the whole storyline here is that now Sonata is officially one of the head of the faction top guys in the company. And you can do that by having a great match with Okada and, and moving on from that. I don't see him beating Okada right now. But the chances aren't zero, I suppose. But if I were a betting man, that's where my money is. Yeah, I think I'm with you on this one. I think uh, I think at the beginning of the year, I made it pretty clear to you that I thought the long long game was Osprey finally beating Okada next year at Wrestle Kingdom, and anything anyone beating Okada before then potentially dilutes that minus a G1 competition, uh, something like that. Um, they have they have something special this year with the story that they're telling overall and with the people that they're building. If they can hold off just a little bit, build all these guys up, just five guys, the new Bullet Club with Finley, uh, Strong Style, all these new factions, TMDK, that will make the landscape of 2024 much more potent 
when there is potentially a new champion after Wrestle Kingdom and people are coming after them after they've strengthened their own reserves and factions and elevated themselves naturally over the course of the year rather than shotgunning these new turns and these new personalities and making you making you believe in the strength of them by sheer domination of the card. You know, like trying to do the evil thing a few years ago when he beat Naito and gave him the title and just forcing that change upon the crowd, whether they were into it or not, it kind of blew up in their face in New Japan's faces a little bit. So uh, it would feel impulsive if they did it. Would it be the wrong call? I don't know instinctively i wouldn't want it to happen it has not felt like in the past with lij important to note with lij that sonata had the charisma to be the world champion the iwgp champion i am curious to see if we get a little more out of him with just five guys if taichi and takamichi noki could bring a little bit more out of sonata he was always a great wrestler. He always had good matches. But the question was, did he have the charisma? Was Did he have that? Uh, can he get the people behind him, all that kind of stuff, or against him for that matter? Uh, and I'm curious to see what being with just five guys does for him. And right now, I feel like it's too early, but perhaps the story is that he can get back up there. Maybe the real run is Sonata and Taichi, which I've been stumping for them to be a tag team mm -hmm. for a while because Sonata has done his very best work as a tag team wrestler with Evil. That was a good team. And I think he and Taichi can be something special on that, on that end as well. And uh, there's a lot of time to tell that story, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't feel like, uh, I don't, I don't feel like Sonata is going to win this one, but I am curious to see if just five guys brings out a different side to him that we haven't seen. yet. Let me ask you this. Do you think that if the company were serious about going forward with Sonata, that they at least would have had the match graphic reflect his new makeover? <laughs> well, I guess that's probably <laughs> tells you what you need to know there. So, yeah, I, I, although I, the makeover does help a lot. It, it, yes, it's pretty it does. Good. It's a good makeover, about 10 years younger, and uh, he feels renewed. Never open weight six man tag team titles will also be part of the show on the third. That's Narita Desperado and Suzuki against Evil Yujiro Takahashi and Show. I expect shenanigans. I expect a lot of that, but I also respect. I expect the champions to hold on to those titles. I, I just feel like the House of Torture has done everything with those titles that they can do. I feel like it would be a big step back for those belts and the whole Narita Suzuki storyline uh, as the guys that seem to have joined together in the spirit of strong style, whatever you want to say that is. So I think this is going to be retention as well here. Uh, you know, again, evil, Yujiro, Dick Togo show, they'll all be, they'll all be in there. They'll all be charging in with the Garrett, like always. But I, I feel like in the end, uh, they're going to end up doing the job. Here. The whole thing is just wait till daddy Minoru comes home. <laughs> you know? yeah, he they was got gone for this and, and they, they took advantage of, him not being there, and when that when those three, I think uh, I, I think hell will be paid. So going through that, uh, Sakura Genesis is well. First, before after that, there are a couple of shows, uh, house shows, Shizuoka, Saitama, uh, before Sakura Genesis on the eighth. Now those are strictly preview tags, uh, basically. There aren't uh, anything 
there's no, there are no other uh, special challenge matches. There are no other uh, singles matches or title matches on uh, Shizuoka and Saitama uh, before we get to Sakura Genesis at Ryugoku Kukujikan Sumo Hall on April 8th. Now we're going to do our full breakdown of that card next week. Uh, we have a, another week to go before it's really time for that one yet. So uh, we will be bringing that up then. But just to run down that card here, Jeremy, of course, we mentioned Okada versus Sonata. Hiromu Takahashi against Robbie Eagles, a member of TMDK. Bishamon defending the IWGP World Tag Team Championships against Aussie Open. Again, Aussie Open challenging for every title in the world, it seems. Shota Umino challenging Zack Sabre Jr. for the television title. So that'll be the 15-minute time limit match there. And we have one that we did not know last week uh, fully, uh, Mer Mercedes Monet there, uh, defending the IWGP Women's Championship against Hazuki and Azumi. So we have uh, two uh, of the stardom uh, group coming in uh, with Monet for a match that we hope gets a little bit of time. That's the only criticism from Wrestle Kingdom, really of the entire situation was that Tam Nakano and Kyrie didn't get any time. Hopefully uh, we do. Azumi is the high speed champion in stardom. Jeremy uh, Hazuki has been having a phenomenal year so far and she's always been good, but uh, this year she's really stepped up and been very, very impressive. So, they can do something really good here, and it'll probably be a little sprint-ish. I don't expect this thing to go 15 minutes. It'll probably go something like 10. I was going to say, I think 10 to 15 minutes, somewhere in there is how much you should expect to get out of this match on the middle. And if you watch Stardom, a lot of their matches are in that zone. Like non-title matches have usually 15-minute uh, time limits, main events, 30, that type mm -hmm. of thing. They don't, you, they don't go an hour in Stardom much. So uh, what you were looking at here are two people that are very, very good at these type of sprint matches. And Mercedes Monet, who is uh, pretty much good at everything. So I, I think this could be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Azumi, this is a crazy thing, Jeremy. Uh, she is 20 years old and a nine-year veteran. She began wrestling when she was 11. And uh, Hazuki doesn't have that kind of uh, mileage on her body already, but uh, she's excellent. The, it's going to be good. This, this could be a lot of fun if given room to breathe. I'm, I'm going to throw out the public service announcement here. As you can see on the screen, Azumi's name is spelled A-Z-M. A-Z-M yes. is how it looks every time you see it written out, but it is, in fact, Azumi. Azumi. They are one and the same. They are not two <laughs> different people. That was a mistake that I personally made at some point, oh. <laughs> not realizing that Azumi and A-Z-M were not the same person. And just just to confuse things further, uh, Hazuki used to have her name stylized as HZK. Hey, so, sure. Yeah, back in but the day. But branding yeah. is important, and I think a lot of people are going to know their name a lot better after after this match than before. Now, Mercedes Benet is going to win this thing. She's going to hold on to that title at least. The uh, something that came out of post match comments or in Stardom, it's very similar to New Japan. Whoever wins the main event gets the microphone. After a main event uh, bit, uh, Mayu Iwatani uh, got on the microphone at a show and said that she wants to face the winner of this match in Yokohama. Mayu Iwatani is one of the best female wrestlers of all time. I've said from the beginning that that's the money match, is if you pardon the pun, Mercedes Monet against Mayu Iwatani. It is 
the best one they can make. Iwatani is probably the best worker, even if you're talking about Kyrie, even if you're talking about Julia, even if you're talking about Shuri. Man, there's some great, great wrestlers in stardom. Iwatani is an all-time icon. And they may be ready to go ahead and pull the trigger on that because I don't see Hazuki or Azumi beating Mane and then going into in Yokohama, a, a, a title match against Iwatani. It just feels like that's they're going to put their biggest stuff. They have a big match with Tam Nakano challenging for the red belt. Uh, Julia, she even cut off a chunk of Julia's hair. So that one has some steam on it. And then Mercedes Monet and Mayu Iwatani, they're putting that show in Yokohama Arena, Jeremy. They need something big. Nothing is bigger than Iwatani and Monet. So I think that's where this is going. And this is set up for an exciting match with a champion's retention. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. We should hold off talking about it anymore until next week. But I am 100% uh, I'm here for this match. I hope it gets to 10 to 15 minutes. And uh, I'm going to save more of my thoughts for for next time. All right, let's do that. And then we also have Naito, uh, Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi against Taichi, Kanemaru, and Doki. And this one might have a little bit of steam there with Genesis. We'll get into it next week, of course. A bit of grudge match there. That took Sonata (laughs) from them. And then another one that is intriguing, and we're going to get into the reasons why next week. El Fantasmo, Kenta, and David Finlay against Tamatanga, Hikuleo, and Master Wato. Interesting as to who's in this and who's not, in my opinion. So, But we'll get into a lot more of that next week. And then uh, Aaron Hanare. Francesco Akira and Jeff Cobb against Evil, Yujiro, and Sho. And uh, that'll be uh, part of the card as well. Got a so. number of trio teams forming their way lately. That yeah. seems like a very interesting interesting thing. Maybe, uh, maybe getting some people heated up for, I don't know, another event in which <laughs> trio would be important. That's true. Yeah. Who knows? And uh, by then, uh, Colin has joined us. Good to see him. Uh, and we have uh, another thing was a six man tag match where we're not going to know who's in it until the people's music plays. So this could be a scramble. This could be anybody, could be anything. Who knows? Uh, there he's we uh, on the screen right now are the silhouettes. So maybe we'll see El Fantasmo. I didn't see him on that card. <laughs> uh, he is no, he's Did in I... there with Kent, Kenta and Finley. Oh, maybe Chase. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's interesting that he's like, well, we'll get to that next week. It's interesting, Chase, go. and then that in it. Yeah. So, uh, no. All right. Yeah. So, we have a little bit of time here, and I just want to get your thoughts about this event, the Forbidden Door 2. Mm-hmm. So, we are two and a half months away. This is event essentially like prehistoric Xover going into Wrestle Kingdom. That's the amount of time away that we are having. When we were getting to that point, we actually had a pretty good idea of what the Wrestle Kingdom card was going to be. We're probably not going to have any idea of what this card is going to be <laughs> until after Dominion and Double yeah. or Nothing. Right. Yeah. So are you fine spending money sight unseen for this show after proof of concept last year, or do you need to see a card to be compelled to watch a show? Let's say that I have faith they're going to put together something I want to watch. So I I feel like uh, I'm going to get this show and be happy with it. 
And I feel like after last year's Forbidden Door, if they don't put together something special, it's really going to pale in comparison. And I don't think either company is interested in putting out a huge disappointment in year two. So I think they're going to be very motivated to put together something special because Forbidden Door was considered something very special. It was one of the best shows of last year in a year that had a lot of good shows. So it does make me wonder a little bit about what's going to go on there, of course. But with that motivation, I feel like both companies are going to put together something I'm going to watch. I would be shocked if after Dominion and after the AEW pay-per-view before the standalone AEW pay-per-view, if there is a lineup that makes me go, me, I would really be surprised if they slacked off on that because it, it's a tough act to follow. I don't know if it's going to be exactly as good as last year's, but I think they're going to try. Yeah, I mean, we had situations last year where people saw Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay and were frankly expressed disappointment before the match happened and then basically had to be quieted immensely uh based off of the results of that match and and how it performed and the most consequential thing not including injuries was a six-month title reign for the iwgp tag titles with ftr and that was arguable how how that played out and we're seeing kind of the same thing right now with kenny omega and the U.S. title, where it's just like the idea of them carrying it in theory sounds great, but the coordination in order to make title defenses for somebody who is not uh, who's not native to your home promotion carrying the title makes it supremely more difficult, especially when the other promotion is in fact popular and has their own interest to serve. So yeah. there is a lesson to be learned out of all that. But do you think anything consequential like an AEW talent winning an IWGP title or a New Japan talent winning an AEW title is possible this year? The only thing I could think of is perhaps that Omega Osprey thing where a title comes home. Uh, I could see that happen. And he doesn't necessarily win that match. I agree with you, by the way. He doesn't necessarily win that the yeah i don't i don't know i what i'm hoping for are just some of those unique matchups that we never get to see i would love it if hiromu takahashi were still the iwgp junior heavyweight champion to face somebody exciting from Darby. <laughs> yeah or you know aew's roster i think that would be a lot of fun i would love to see yeah uh, i so badly want hiromu and darby like i just i stand for that maybe that even would... naito and hiromu versus darby and sting like, if you just gave me that match, I'd be over the moon. Now, I'd love to see something like Claudio face a New Japan guy. I've been saying for years that Claudio and Ishii. That would be great. Claudio and, and, well, I mean, you know, I know Bishamon might be involved in a tag team title match in there. But uh, Goto, you know, somebody like that. I've been begging for Claudio to be part of G1 for a long time. I don't know if he's interested in doing it, but he's the perfect guy for something like that. So that's really what I'm looking for out of Forbidden Door more than anything else, or just the unique matches that we wouldn't see otherwise. That's what I'm I, I had a title match for MJF in there that I actually like. The more I've thought about it, the more I kind of talked myself into it. What's that? MJF versus Shota Umino. 
Hmm. Oh, it would be the ultimate baby face versus heel type of just, situation, wouldn't it? Hey, there's something about the uh, the understudy of the guy that took the title from that MGF took the title from trying to get the title back. I don't know. Like it could work. I don't know if it's the dream match that everybody wants, but I don't think you're going to get MGF versus Okada this year if they're both champions. So I'll throw, I'll throw one out: Samoa Joe, Shingo Takagi. Oh yeah, sign me up. Yeah. yeah, I want these two to beat the shit out of each other. As long I don't as want me. any. I don't want either of them to be healthy until the G one. As, as long as I don't have to stand near either one of them while they're doing it, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Oh absolutely. man, Jeff Cobb and Powerhouse Cobb. Yeah, see something like that it could be fun. <laughs> I'd be a ben, no. uh, oh, cameo there for the dog. Uh, but uh, Colin uh, has mentioned that he wants Stardom involved at Forbidden Door too. Uh, very possible. Who knows? Uh, that could be a thing. Uh, you know, that could be a little, yeah. I mean, I, you could definitely do something like that. It would be, uh, very interesting to have somebody, uh, some of the stardom folks, uh, come over for that and, uh, and be part of it, especially with some of the AEW, uh, women there. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be upset about that at all. If we got to see something like Jamie Hayter against, uh, either, geez, I don't know, Tam Nakano or that against, might be uh, your Mercedes Monet, honestly, if, if you Maybe. wanted it to be a New Japan, like the only way that she shows up is through the New Japan side of a sponsorship and that yeah. kind of skirts some issues. I mean, if you want your Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, Mercedes Monet match and you got one shot to do it, I feel like that that's the place to do it, right? Could be. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways that uh, that could go there. So hopefully they pick somebody uh, good and uh... – you know, we have uh, that's the tricky thing about AEW is that you know, Tony Storm has a lot of Japanese experience and she's on that level, but not too many of the AW, AEW women wrestle at that level. And uh, Tony Storm wrestles on that level. <laughs> Jamie Hayter's working on it. Uh, the rest of that roster, I don't know. I, it would it would be hard for the stardom. Uh, that's a lot of weight for the stardom side to carry. <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of water to carry. <laughs> a lot of water to carry right there. And if you saw from the clips from the house show of Anna Jay and Britt Baker, let's uh, let's keep them away from it. <laughs> let's just keep them away from it. So, Colin, uh, we briefly touched on the card because they revealed it, but we are going to do deeper thoughts next week on yeah, Sakura Genesis for those listening at home. Yeah, we're going to do a big-time Sakura Genesis uh, preview next week. That one's going to be match by match. So, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about there. And then, of course, we'll have uh, plenty to talk about next week, including the run-up to it, because there will have been a couple of title matches, a couple of those interesting matches from Road to Sakura Genesis uh, to discuss, too, as we get toward the big event. So what else is on your mind here, Jeremy? We still have a little bit of time. I got some New Japan Cup history to go we into, could... but not quite yet. Is there any other thoughts on your mind? Are there any Honestly... other shows? What other shows are coming up this weekend? I'm trying to think what's going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got about 13 matches. Stephen Conway and I admittedly follow wrestling all parts of it, including WWE. And because it was such a quiet week in New Japan, we decided we were just going to give our quick thoughts about the card of WrestleMania, go through it real quick, and then we can be satisfied that we recorded – for due diligence, exactly what we think 
everybody knows what we thought. <laughs> we we do we do not pretend to be the authority on the Fight no, Game Media Network no. about WWE. You want to go to the rap for that. You want to go to the Fight Game Media broadcast with uh, with Garrett and all that. There, there are I other mean, places we're first to get... dates on the rap. We'll show up and, and share our thoughts. We are. Oh yeah, we are bona fide, oh, yeah. but we are not. We are not the uh, the consensus experts on the panel. <laughs> Nevertheless, Jeremy, I have to say that as far as WWE goes. I think they have done a very good job building up this WrestleMania. Yeah. I'm excited about several of the matches, and part of it is because they seem to have gone to and most importantly stuck with a long-term buildup. Now, one of the things that as New Japan people and New Japan fans, we like to brag on to people that watch other companies is Ghetto's booking is logical, it makes sense, and it's long-term. There, it's a long-term story that gets developed, and, and there's a beginning and a middle and an end to it. And we're always talking about how everything shifts on a moment's notice and everything's just built on a foundation of sand. They've switched it up this year. And this whole thing with Roman Reigns and Cody, the whole thing with Sammy and Kevin Owens and the Usos, even some of the other stuff like Dominic and Rey Mysterio, all of it. these things <laughs> have been going on. What's that? I'm here for it. <laughs> But these stories have been developing for a year. More than that, in some cases, in some forms, right? The Roman Reigns things, but years, plural. And it just goes to show you the anticipation, I feel like, for this show is higher than usual. WrestleMania is always a big deal, of course. I feel like the fan base is a little more jazzed for this one than they usually are. And, and it just goes to show you, if you tell wrestling fans a smart story that develops in a way that makes a little bit of sense we will line up for it <laughs> so let this be a lesson to them think ahead 100 prior proper planning prevented a piss poor performance and they finally proved it with that was uh, some alliteration you like that i yeah, learned I that one in middle school <laughs> uh piss poor performance i have long felt that this was and could potentially be triple h's one chance to book a wrestlemania with all the other factors up in the air and he was going to, by God, do his best shot that you're going to shoot a shot. And for all intents and purposes, this has been a smartly booked, mapped out, year-long plan in some way, shape, or form. He took the blueprints that were already being formed when Vince McMahon had to walk away. And he continued on. And then he brought in Cody. He, he tied together the Sammy stuff with Kevin and Cody. And he provided satisfying resolutions or given you confidence that these resolutions will be satisfied at the end of this weekend, which is ultimately what everyone wants. They want to feel like this is they know that they're getting their payoff and this is it. There you go. So, And uh, Colin mentions a good point here. We've been talking about Ghetto, but Rossi Ogawa is the man who books stardom. And, of course, Ghetto has been booking New Japan for quite a while. But Rossi Ogawa has been booking stardom. I think he's the owner, the founder, or was, was the owner. Bushiroad's the owner. But he was the founder, developer, and all this of stardom and has been uh, through the fabric of uh, Joshi uh, women's pro wrestling in Japan going back to the 70s. One of my and, wrestling Observer newsletter Hall of Fame candidates this past year. <laughs> yeah, and should be in. And there, I, to me, that's one of the biggest no-brainers out there. But he uh, should have been Booker of the Year last year. But I don't think enough people knew about him uh, or knew enough about him to, to vote for him right there. But uh, Rossi Ogawa just pulled off a very long storyline with uh, Waka Sukiyama. 
in there. So, and, and, and yeah, the people were into it and it just, this is something that I've been beating the drum for, for a long time is don't let one weird week or something not quite hitting, just let you tear everything up and throw it up in the air. Mm -hmm. And it, the funny thing is the biggest perpetrator of that is rumored to be Vince McMahon, right? You know, the, sure. that was the one before, before he was cast away for a little while. Now it looks like he's kind of working his way back in, but he would tear up the whole thing on Thursday and make him rewrite SmackDown on Friday. He's the one that taught me a lot about the long-term booking as, as a fan, you know, because if you look at, the very early days of, you know, WrestleMania, I mean, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage exchanging a weird look while celebrating a WrestleMania four, because they were going to lead up to those two at WrestleMania five. They had the main event for five before WrestleMania four, you know, that type of thing. Uh, they had Andre the giant at WrestleMania three, a lot earlier <laughs> than that heel turn was. And they knew how to do it and they recognized the importance of doing so. And then somewhere in the rush for TV ratings and things, a lot of that got lost. So uh, as a fan, it's been very gratifying to watch a long-term well thought out storyline play out. Now, whether we have Paul Heyman to thank for that uh, or not, uh, or if there's more people to it, I mean, Paul's certainly involved. His, his fingerprints are all over a lot of this stuff, but uh, it's, it's been gratifying to see Jeremy. I, I'm, this is one time when, I always watch WrestleMania, and uh, this time I'm more than usual looking forward to to it. I am too. We got 13 matches. Let's give 30 seconds each about up to 30 seconds each about our thoughts on each match, and we'll just move on. Try and get this done in about 10 minutes. We have long form thoughts elsewhere. We did the road with Garrett Gonzalez, each of us uh, on yeah. this same YouTube channel. So we'll just do our quick. 30 seconds we each think about this and move on to the next match. Go for it. What do you think about this one? The first one, Austin Theory against John Cena. I, when I heard that this was leading off night one, right? That's where it's positioned, leading off night one. I'm starting to think Cena may win the thing on Saturday and lose the thing on Sunday to somebody else. That's, mm. I, I, I saw a fantasy booking about that that I absolutely loved. I have no idea if it's actually going to happen. <laughs> but uh, uh, Did you see the same thing I'm talking about where the, like someone had the idea yes, that he does the, yes, the yes. open challenge on Sunday yes, and perhaps yes, yes, yes. there could be a switchblade <laughs> involved? When perhaps some wishful thinking on our parts. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I you know, uh, I, I've said before, I, Austin Theory doesn't do it for me. There's something missing with him. Sure. And, uh, you know, if they were going to use Cena to get this from one place to another, I wouldn't be too upset. Uh, I, I, I like that. I, maybe it's just wishful thinking because I really don't want to see Austin Theory go over on Cena, <laughs> which is probably what's going to happen. I think the way that this build has happened, Austin Theory is going to beat his ass, and it's going to be unfortunate for some, and it's going to be hilarious for others. Next! <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Just, Cena did say that he still loves Vince, despite Absolutely. him uh, harassing people. So moving uh, on, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, maybe we should move on from Cena. You're right. So there you go. Uh, Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus, Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai. Bailey finally gets a pretty nicely featured match at WrestleMania after years and years and years. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this except I hope it's I hope it's good. And um, you know, Lita and Lita and Trish don't play at this level and uh, neither does Dakota. But I think that uh, if you, you take EO, certainly Becky and Bailey, uh, let's keep it to those three more than anybody else. I think the faces are going to self-destruct. I think the heels could use the win. And I think that's the direction that they go. Uh, uh, Trish, do you see a Trish? Do you see a Trish heel turn? I don't know. I just see them not being on the same page and, 
Becky being upset at the end of the match because somebody somebody wasn't able to hold up their end of the bargain willingly or not. There you go. Woo! Mm. This will be good. So Asuka and Bianca Belair, I just think we're going to be in for a really good match here. The Belair wins. But I think Asuka can push it to the limit here, uh, both uh, in terms of storyline and in real-life ability. Bianca is a special talent, and uh, I think it's too early to take that belt off of her, but Asuka is a, a really good opponent to put her over. I, I agree with everything you said. My one criticism is that I am amazed that they made this feel like just a match. Yeah, yeah there hasn't been a whole lot to it, has it? No, though? not at all. This does uh, not feel like just a match. No, it doesn't feel like just a match. It feels like so much less. Uh, Brock Lesnar and Omos, uh, boy, I mean, all they've been saying is that Brock can't give the F5 or the German to Omos, which means Brock's going to give the the F5 F5 and the German German to Omos. Uh, Let's hope it's quick. Brock in a landslide. What do you think? Demon versus the, the brood? Demon versus the devil? Uh, yeah, Edge versus Finn Balor is what we're looking at here in a Hell in a Cell match. And uh, this is exactly the kind of match where Edge can tie a boulder to a show and drag it down. And I have a feeling this one's going to be slow, plotting, and disappointing like most of Edge's big matches. There is a rumor buzzing that someone that is formally affiliated with Edge, actually two people that are formally affiliated with Edge may be returning for this match. Wait a minute now. Wait, uh, Hold on now. Of course, David Heath is the one, Gangrel is the one, the obvious one. The there are potential one... rumors that one Christian could be returning for this match as well. <sighs> on mean, this day, I see clearly. I'm just done. telling you what I'm saying. <laughs> They've done enough, haven't they? Can't we move on from this? I'm, I'm, I would hope that Balor would just win this thing and move on from it into a better position because Judgment Day is a far more. No, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) They, one of the greatest, well, some of the greatest tricks they ever pulled are convincing fans that someone's an all-time great and they're not. And Edge is a perfect example of it. Ooh, spicy for a guy that likes FTR. The uh, the day. (laughs) Moving on. Hey, here we go. All right. Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Now, this is for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bianca Belair and and Asuka for the the Raw title, the Red Belt. This one should be, should be Rhea Ripley getting that win because they had a pretty damn good match during the pandemic WrestleMania. Charlotte went over, and I thought they should have pulled the trigger on Rhea. If Rhea wins this match and it's a good match, I think Rhea is officially what she's nominally been for the past six months, which is one of the very elite wrestlers, female wrestlers in WWE. She's been wonderful in this judgment day stuff with the whole angle and working with Dominic and everybody else. I think this is the time for her to get that big win. Charlotte doesn't need it. Charlotte's a main woman made woman. She does not need to win this match. Rhea does. And if she gets the big win at WrestleMania, I think it makes her a legit, main event type of talent for them this this should be Rhea's time let's crown the black queen at the main event of night one of wrestlemania and move on with our lives because this needs to happen um i am fully on board that these two can have a hell of a match together if they can get on the same page if they can't get on the same page there's only one person that i consider responsible for not getting on the same page with the other because uh Hmm. There, there is one talent here who has been giving 110 percent 
in every part of every angle that they participated in. And then there is another talent on this screen that has given less than 100%, it appears, uh, because they have a boo-boo face. <laughs> well, you know, somebody for a while there looked like they were trying to get the hell out, but we'll see how that, that seems to have dried up at least. Next, uh, Drew McIntyre. Okay, well, this one. <laughs> we have for the Intercontinental title, Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre. This match is going to be terrific. It's going to be it's going to be hard hitting. Doesn't even begin to describe it. These people are going to beat the living hell out of each other. And uh, I have stated my personal preference for one on one matches more than triple threats. But these three are going to put on a heck of a show. My opinion is that they needed a situation, much like Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, and Chris Benoit years ago, mm-hmm. that they need to get the title off of Gunther without him losing. And so they built up Sheamus needing to get this title. It could potentially be Drew with a heel turn, taking the title for himself, or Sheamus pinning Drew for the title and closing that storyline pattern. Either way, the finish will not involve Gunther. That is my prediction. What do you think Gunther does then after this if he's uh, no longer the Intercontinental Champ? Uh, either Money in the Bank or King of the Ring, but they are going to heat him up for the world title. Like, Let's do it. They, they, September, October, I think he could be a guy that has the title by that point and going into Mania next year. Let's see something like that. I'm in. Yeah. That, that's my plan. I just, he is dominant. He has shown that he has got the goods and just strap a rocket on him. But don't, don't beat him. I'm on board. We have uh, what should be a uh, fun tag team match here. This is uh, uh, Braun Strowman and Ricochet, the Street Profits, Alpha Academy, and the Viking Raiders. Uh, you know, the Montez Ford and Ricochet are probably going to do something insane. Chad Gable is as good as anybody in the company. The Viking Raiders, in this incarnation, them much more improved than the comedy guys earlier. And uh, this has the potential to have some fun stuff in it. Uh, it probably won't be a match that's remembered for very long, but I bet it's fun while we watch it. So I kind of think it's the Street Profits or the Viking Raiders that win this out. Um, the self-destruction of the Alpha Academy is in full swing, and Ricochet and Strowman are a fun team but they don't seem like they're going to sustain for too long. The other two are the team with the momentum, and it just depends on where you want to go post-Mania with the tag team championships. Angelo Dawkins is hoping that they win because he knows that the second they break that team up, he is going to be Marty Jannetty faster than any human being since Marty Jannetty. I do think that the Viking Raiders versus the Street Profits is an interesting matchup. Because yeah. one wonks the smoke, and there's constantly smoke around the other guy. <laughs> so they're made for each other. I'm they just saying. <laughs> mutually beneficial. Mutually beneficial. Uh, I caught you off guard on that one. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And then we have a showcase match here. We have uh, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez against Natalia and Shotzi and Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green and Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. It's an all-skate on the women's side here where we just get a bunch of people uh, on the card. And uh, You know yeah. how quickly I got this image recently because this is a hot off the press image right here. <laughs> Sonya Deville jumping in with Chelsea Green right there. Uh, something Look at happened that with Photoshop Carmella. job on the top with Chelsea Green. Her yeah. braids have grids. <laughs> Is there is there anything to add to this? I don't. I don't. Uh, quite, I think it's know. Ronda and Shayna. Right. I, I think it's just they were supposed to win the titles, heat them up to be the first contenders after the titles, something like that. Yep, I think that's true. I don't understand why Ronda didn't want to be in the main event, but hey, go hang out with your friend. 
Yeah, she has a broken arm too, so that, that, that took a lot out of it. So, uh, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Here's the <laughs> this is where the rubber's going to meet the road because Dominic has been wonderful as a talking heel in this feud. Now he has to wrestle, and that's not Dominic's strong sp uh, spot. Uh, but Ray is going to be motivated to try to carry him as best he can here. So, uh, and no doubt this match will be choreographed within an inch of its life. So, I'm confident that it'll probably be pretty good and probably the best match Dominic's ever going to have because I don't think he's ever going to be taken care of quite this well. Do you remember who Ray Mysterio's opponent was the first time, the, the last time WrestleMania went Hollywood? Mm, I do not. It was Eddie Guerrero. Mm, how about that? So are we going to get the full family experience here? I, I think this whole thing is just, this is going to be a production. It is going oh, to be yeah. fantastic. It yeah. is going to pay off. Cast, cast of thousands. I am here for it. Cast of thousands. Now, here's does Vicky get involved? That's No, I don't think so. I would love to see it. But I, I would I, love to see her smack the living hell out of Dominic and, you know, slap, smack the hell out of him and say, well, go, back, she showed go, up go home to go home to your mom. Manager, if she showed up and was a manager with. Uh, no, Judge I don't want her as manager. I don't want her as manager. No, no, no. I don't know. Just a Nia Jax one and done. <laughs> oh, God, no. What's next? Uh, Seth Rollins and Logan Paul again. Uh, this will probably be really good. Logan Paul's been great in every match he's had, Jeremy. And uh, Seth Rollins is the kind of guy that can bring out something fun from him. I am not into Seth's character, but I am into Seth Rollins. I am into Logan Paul. I am sure that once the ring bell starts, I'm going to be here for it. But Seth Rollins building any feud has left me lacking for a few years now. There you go. All right. Hey! Now we're talking. Now we have the Usos defending the undisputed tag team championship against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This is one of the matches we have all longed to see. I'm predicting a title change here. I think this is going to be the big feel-good moment and uh, probably the biggest feel-good moment of the entire weekend. Oh! And, well, no, no, no. I, mean, I, I Because I think... Oh, okay. Sammy has more goodwill toward him than any human being on this entire and these and this entire weekend. All of these shows, I want to say in the entire show, but they're two shows. Uh, Sammy and Kevin are a wonderful team. Uh, of course, Kevin Steen and El Generico, one of the best teams in the world. I have no doubt they're going to slide right back into those abilities, and they're in with one of the truly. This is one they're going to say that the USO is one of the greatest tag team in WWE history. Correct. They are one of the best tag teams in WWE history. And uh, this match is going to be special. It's going to have a ton of emotion in it. And uh, I am i cannot wait. Uh, I think we're going to get the switch. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Sammy Owens with the Huluva kick to Jay Uso in the corner for the pin. Oh. Book it, Dano. <laughs> Should be great. And then, of course, Roman Reigns against Cody Rhodes for the Undisputed Universal Championship. Build the up this one's been yeah. <laughs> And I did not mean that as any kind of knock on Cody, what I said about Sammy. I just mm. feel like Sammy is on a different level as far as goodwill with the fans right now. But Cody is over as hell as a baby face. More than that, Jeremy, I feel like the fans and the company are ready for the switch. I think that we have I and if if Roman wins this match. What else is there to do? He has absolutely cleaned out the division. And I know that Vince is going to be sitting there probably pimping for him to stay there. 
The story is obvious to me, Jeremy. It is Cody winning the title his father never did. And his father, of course, came very, very close against Billy Graham in the late 70s, uh, the, the pre-polka dot Dusty Rhodes, who was over as hell in Madison Square Garden and was a big attraction. And it was a very, very much part of the fabric of the WWF in the late 70s before he came back with the polka dots. There's a lot of subtext to this one. To me, I feel like Roman has done everything he can do as champion with this run. It's time. Uh, time to make a new champion, time to have some fresh stuff on top, time to have the champion back on all the house shows. And uh, yeah, I, Roman's done a magnificent job and there's more for him to do, but I feel like now's the time to pull the trigger on this, don't you? Yeah, so the Raw after Mania last year was the giveaway. Cody came out there and said he needed to win a title on the biggest stage of them all, you know, he, he intoned before he got injured that it was all going to pay off next year at mania when he wins the title that it, that eluded his father, uh, the whole deal. Mm -hmm. This has been set in stone. It feels like I don't, I don't care about Romans 1000. I don't care about any of these other landmarks. If you do not belt Cody at this time, after all of this, after passing on Sammy, after thinking that, you know, maybe it's not true, it clashed the castle, whatever, it's time. Mm -hmm. This is, and I, I hate to even put it this way, Roman's the last vestige of the pandemic in its form. <laughs> like, he's the last reminder of a time that we can close the book. And you remember Cody was also in that pandemic standing at the forefront at AEW telling everybody as their leader in that empty stage. So you had two basic representatives of the pandemic from two different promotions and now they're facing off and you gotta finish the story. I hate to be, you know, so trite and use the hashtag Cody is, but it's time. Like, mm -hmm. The crowd is hot. They want to see. They know what's about to happen. And if you tell them it's not going to happen, you are not going to get this generation of fans back. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. And keep in mind, you know, if he beats Cody one and done, you know, the story's over with there. And besides, if Cody wins this thing, you still have a stadium to fill up for SummerSlam, and that's a rematch that could do the job. And uh, then there's plenty of other things they can do. They can come. They, they've already woven Sammy. Uh, in there with uh, Kevin and with Cody. So you've got the Usos and Solo Sokoa against those three at house shows leading up to the next pay-per-view, which could be a six-man uh, with Roman in that spot mm -hmm. then. You know, there's a lot of ways you could do this. and But it, but it only works if uh, Cody wins the title and uh, they have a reason to keep after each other. I think Rhea stands tall night one, and I think Cody, Kevin, and Sammy are all in the ring at the end of night two of Mania celebrating with their titles and the newly deposed bloodline. So Colin has a good question. Who do you yeah. think books these two shows, Vince or Triple H? Triple H. I do too. I think Vince is probably going to try to shoehorn a little bit of input in there, but I do think this is Paul's weekend. There are fingerprints, but no, this is, yeah, this is, there are fingerprints. There are 100% fingerprints, but this is Triple H's show. We'll see how it turns out. So there you go. All right. So that's our WrestleMania look right there. And, and you know, the of course, uh, the, I think the main uh, New Japan tie-in would be Balor, right, from his days as Prince David mm -hmm. right there. So, And uh, Colin uh, thinks it'll be Vince, though, even though he claims he's got nothing to do with creative anymore. Yeah, I, no one buys that, Colin. No one believes that Vince doesn't have anything to do with creative. Uh, no one believes that at all. But I do think 
that uh, most of this is going to be Paul's work. But I agree with you. I, I once again maintain this is Triple H's yeah. one opportunity to book his WrestleMania. There you go. All right, so let's talk a little bit of New Japan Cup history. We've got, uh, we just came out of the New Japan Cup. Sonata is going to be challenging Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. But what about the New Japan Cup? You know, let's go back and take a look at this. So, uh, New Japan Cup began in 2005, and it was just for the trophy. There was no automatic title shot to, to the winner of that. And uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi won the very first one. He defeated Manabu Nakanishi in the finals. It's always been a spring event. It's always been around March and April and things there. So uh, it was also the last show where someone was injured in the tournament and ended up moving on. Uh, the, the, the person that beat them ended up moving on instead of them. And uh, this time it was Minoru Tanaka, uh, defeated uh, Osamu Nishimura in the first round, but he was hurt and couldn't continue, so Nishimura went on and uh, ended up losing to, to uh, either Tanahashi or Nakanishi there, but uh, those two were in the finals. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura lost in that one in the first round to uh, semifinalist Kendo Kashen. Uh, so that was going to be my WrestleMania tie-in, but no sign of Shinsuke Nakamura anywhere on WrestleMania weekend, sadly. Uh, so for the first couple of years, uh, there were 16 competitors, then there were 12, and they kind of played around with the formula for a while. It has always been a single elimination tournament, though. That's been true. They haven't tried any other formats than that, but they have uh, toyed around with different numbers of participants and some people getting buys and things like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the first one was uh, won by Tanahashi. And uh, the next year, it was Giant Bernard, Matt Bloom, uh, one of the uh, top WWE trainers. Uh, and of course, later Prince Albert. Uh, he, or previously Prince Albert, before he was Giant Bernard. He won the second tournament. So thus, he is the first foreign wrestler to win the New Japan Cup. He beat Yuji Nagata in the finals that year. That was also the first time the winner got a title shot. And so at year two, they determined that the winner could challenge for whatever belt they wanted to challenge for. And that began in year two. Giant Bernard challenged for the IWGP title against Brock Lesnar. Hey. Losing, but he lost it there. Uh, so, did he have um, a knife on his chest tattooed yet? Not yet, I don't think. I don't I don't think well, I don't know. When that happened when he was in UFC. So yeah, I think it was a little bit after that. So uh, let's see. In 2007, uh, Nagata uh, became the first person to win the tournament and then go on to win the championship. So we're starting to get these little milestones here. So, and uh, that uh, he defeated Tanahashi after winning the New Japan Cup. Yuji Nagata did there. So the tournament was dominated for the first several years by uh, two people Tanahashi, as I mentioned, and Hiroki Goto. This was his event for a while. Uh, Masahiro Chono has been called uh, Mr. August because he did so well in the G1 year after year. Well, Goto had to be Mr. Spring, I guess, Mr. March, April, because Hiroshi Tanahashi won two of the first four tournaments. Goto then proceeded to win three of the next four. So he actually won three times in four years. He is still the only three-time winner of the tournament. But he also went 0 for 3 in his title challenges because, you know, Goto just never quite got the the, the championship run, the, the big belt there. So, uh, yeah, let's see what else we have here. From 2011 to 2018, they settled into a format big time. Right. They had a 16-man field every year. And this is the beginning of the Ghetto and Jado era of booking New Japan. 
So in the early 210s, those two booked New Japan together. And they booked it together until 2015 when Jado went over to NOAA because New Japan was working with NOAA. And one of the, and some of the things they sent over to NOAA <laughs> included Suzuki-gun. And then they also put Jado over there to help book it. So uh, that was when we began seeing more uh, winners, win cup winners win the IWGP title afterwards. There weren't very many title changes coming off of the New Japan Cup. The winner often challenged, but rarely won. Uh, Nagata did, but it didn't happen very often. Start happening a little bit more once Ghetto and Jado uh, got the book there. Since then, challengers are six and four uh, going into this year. So a winning record for the challengers from the New Japan Cup against the IWGP champion. Going to be good five, sorry. <clears throat> there were some notables, uh, though, uh, going in. In 2014, Shinsuke Nakamura broke tradition and challenged for the Intercontinental title. He decided to go after Hiroshi Tanahashi, and that was an invasion attack that year. And that was part of Nakamura's storyline to establish the Intercontinental title as his belt and as a belt that could end up main eventing Wrestle Kingdom, which it did that one year when it was, that was so interesting when it happened was, yeah, because he was going to wrestle Hiroshi Tanahashi. And then Okada was defending the IWGP title against Tetsuya Naito, who had won the G1 that year. And then they had a vote as to who was going to be in the main event. And the Intercontinental title match won that vote. One of the Dude, reasons that they don't do a whole lot of votes after that. <laughs> no, that was the last time we saw that. And that led to something else. Cause in 2016, uh, what they decided to do was that Naito needed a little retooling because whatever was going on, they knew he was ridiculously talented, but he wasn't clicking with the audience properly. So that was why they sent him over to Mexico, you know, put him with the Ingobernables faction, let people miss him for a little while. Where's Naito? Now where's Naito? And then they bring him back as the Los Ingobernables, uh, Tetsuya Naito. Now you got a heel that'll draw. And uh, since then, he's been at the top of the uh, IWGP cards there and uh, certainly always a top contender for that title. His first run came at Invasion Attack, and that was coming off the New Japan Cup. He won the New Japan Cup in 2016, and Naito did. At Invasion Attack is when he challenged Okada. That was that Invasion Attack in 2016, Jeremy, a big card in New Japan history. It was not only Naito's first IWGP title win. But in that match, Red Shoes Uno was bumped. Evil and Bushi, who were already part of his faction, came running down to the ring. Okada managed to fight them off, but then a masked man came out and flattened Okada. And the man took his mask off, and it was the debuting Sonata. So that was actually when Sonata made his New Japan debut against uh, in, in the interfering in that match there. Afterwards, full Naito, circle. <laughs> full circle. Naito afterwards attacked Red Shoes. And uh, he, he actually won the belt and then attacked Red Shoes and threw the belt down, left without it. That was And saying that his opponent was not Okada, it was uh, uh, Tadani, the New Japan president, and Ghetto. And so he was in Was his, that the beginning of his intercontinental title dictate? That was a little bit later. Uh, this was the IWGP championship, his first okay. IWGP run. And uh, yeah, but he still had total disdain for the company, was the whole point that he was saying. He was uh, in full anti-establishment rebel mode there uh that night by the way two other debuts uh well one was an actual full-blown new japan debut the other was the first uh straight tag team uh match for a key tag team and uh, that was will osprey's first new japan match since signing in uh he unsuccessfully challenged kushida for the iwgp junior title and it was the first tag team match for the gorillas of destiny 
So Tangaloa had been recently brought in and uh, had already been in a couple of preview tags uh, by then. So it wasn't his very first match, but it was the first time it was strictly Tangaloa and Tama Tonga as a team, and they won the heavyweight tag team title. So coming out of the New Japan Cup, a lot going on at Invasion Attack that year. And uh, the other one, uh, very notable, of course, in 2017, Katsuyori Shibata won the tournament. And he went on to face Okada at the first mm. show labeled Sakura Genesis when they renamed Invasion Attack to Sakura Genesis and almost died. So that was the night he headbutted Okada, suffered the subdermal hematoma. And, uh, you know, here we go. I mean, he hasn't and been speaking a full of another full circle. He had another full circle on Friday. After all of that, he has not been a full time wrestler since. He's only had a couple of matches, but on Friday, challenging Wheeler Yuta. For uh, what is it, the ROH title? The ROH TV? Pure. Ti- what a pure title. Pure title. Pardon me. We already had a belts. pure title with the rope break. You're, you're, you're tripping over belts when you go to AEW and Ring of Honor shows there. So that's one of them. But uh, Shabbat will be challenging for that. Another one, Jeremy, that's worth mentioning. Uh, Evil, of course, won the tournament in uh, 2020 with uh, after beating Okada when uh, the Bullet Club mysteriously helped Evil. Who would have thought? And then afterwards, uh, of course, after beating Okada, Naito came out to congratulate him and ended up taking the everything is evil as he left Los Ingobernables and turned on Naito. So, and so began the audience's house of torture. <laughs> Indeed. And more along the lines. So I guess really coming out of the tournament and into uh, either Genesis or Invasion Attack, some uh, key moments in LIJ history. It seems to be a, an event that uh, circles around them uh, more and more. Shift. There you have it. So once again, this, there's some stats there. Uh, only a couple of multiple winners of this thing. Goto, I mentioned, is the only three-time winner. Kazushi Okada, Zack Sabre Jr., Yuji Nagata, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Those are the men that have won it twice. Everybody else is a one-off. And then uh, Okada, the only person to successfully uh, translate his title shots into wins each time. Uh, Zach didn't win. Nagata won and won. Tanahashi didn't has not won all of his challenges coming out of the New Japan Cup. Okada has converted both of his opportunities, and now he has to defend against Sonata. So that is coming up in uh, on April 8th, but a little bit of New Japan Cup history there. I am into it. Thank you, as always, for that. Anything else we got to cover? Should we just do the socials? Let's do the socials and we can uh, head out of here. And of course, next week, more on Road to Sakura Genesis. And then we will break it down match by match and probably talk about some other stuff that happened over the weekend. I have a feeling it's going to be an eventful one. You can find me at Jared Firestone on Twitter. I only put up stuff about wrestling. The Speaking of <laughs> Strong Style logo is my new avatar. So if you found that, you found me. Feel free to check me out there. Conway, your stuff. At Stephen Conway 88 ringsidereplay.com and uh yeah we're very excited don't forget to check out the uh, podcast version of the show as well so there you have it anything else jeremy before we sign off i just want to congratulate you on hitting this in under 90 minutes Woo! got there we got in there see you until next time my friend exactly thanks for watching on speaking of strong style we'll be back very soon next week take care we'll see you then peace out